Welcome to the RunFit365.com podcast, episode 14. Booyah! Welcome back to the RunFit365.com podcast. I'm your host, Travis Lozier, and with with us, as always, is Coach Dan Cusin. How's it going, Dan? Really well. Yourself? Good. Life is good. Um, again, we're glad that you're alive. It sounds like you're much better than episode 12 and 13, so um, it seems like you're on the upswing of this flu thing. Yeah, it's uh, pretty much gone. I've got this cough that won't go away, but I feel pretty much like human again. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so for today's show, um, how this played out this week, Dan and I were emailing back and forth about potential topics for this episode, and I, sh- I shot Dan a quick idea on, um, you know, we could talk about the different training phases in just seconds before this podcast. I said, Dan, are, you know, are we still on the same page with, you know, the training phases? And he said, well, kind of. I came up with my own training phases and <laughs> approached it, and so um, we'll get into that. And, and I'm not surprised because, um, you know, Dan, your insight and kind of the way you, um, you know, kind of take from different sources and make these things your own has always been something that I admired. So looking forward to your kind of insight and take on, you know, different phases and approaches. And then... Um, Got another random runner's world here, and in fact, the magazine that I pulled out was from January 2012, and it's um, it's the new year, new you model from 2012, so we'll find an uh, article from that magazine and see if we can't have some fun um, with that. Before we get started, though, uh, we're starting to see a little bit more traffic around the PR challenge, and uh, what's the date today, Dan? Are we like January the what? 11th. 11th. So we're like 11 days into the new year. Um, And Nick Armstrong wrote today on Twitter that um, he ran a 10K in 45.32, which was his fastest 10K since December 2013. Um, And he's 12 seconds off of a personal best. Um, And he tagged PR Challenge. So 11 days into the new year, and we're already starting to see some positive energy around people setting personal records. So um, Nick, congratulations and stay after it, my man. Um, I don't know. We're, we're also seeing a lot more traffic on the website. People from all over the world are downloading plans now, so that's cool. So, um, you know, Dan and I, when we started that PR challenge, the vision was, um, and it still is, just to get 1 million people to have personal records in 2015. So um, continue to spread the word and let us know um, as you hit those targets in 2015. So Dan, um, you know, training in the different phases um, are very important and, you know, knowing what phase to be in during kind of where you are in your training cycle is just critical for, you know, effective running. So um, I'm really just going to open this up and just interject and try not to mess you up. But um, talk to us about your philosophy and uh, approach on kind of the different training phases and cycles. You bet, and feel free to interject anything uh, along the way. And <clears throat> caveat, I, I would not say this is a creation of mine, but I would say that these are kind of the things that um, – the phases that I kind of 
put things into um, somebody may out, may have exactly these faces out there. I'm not really sure, but I kind of think less is more and try to think simplicity. And so in general, I, I break it down into to three three phases. Now, the, the one thing that's kind of hard is this is sort of a design as if you are running one key race. It leads up to one key race. Uh, the term is actually periodization in, in that you sort of start out, you build, you peak, and then you have your key race. In reality, a lot of people um, race all kinds of races within a season. So it, the phases you're in can shift um, based on um, what cycle you're in. But this is sort of just a basic uh, description of, of what three phases I kind of think of when I uh, design a plan. So the first one will sound probably pretty familiar to most people, and that's what I call the base phase. Most coaches call it the base phase. And this is really a period where you, you're focusing on endurance, um, especially if you haven't run in a while or you're a brand new runner. Um, building your endurance is, is really key. But even if you are an athlete that trains year around, um, you have to keep up. You have to keep up on endurance because uh, that's really the key thing that gets you through a long race, like a half marathon or a marathon or um, even longer. the The main thing you're doing when you develop your your endurance is you're um, developing your cardiovascular system, uh, making changes at the cellular level, like uh, mitochondria density, meaning more mitochondria per cell and um, your mitochondria is your powerhouse of the cell, so it helps with uh, generating uh, power, being efficient, um, utilizing uh, nutrition the best. Um, you're also focusing on cardiac output, the, the amount of blood that your heart beats. Every time it beats, it forces so much blood. And the more fit you are, the more endurance you have, um, the more output it has, so it becomes more efficient. And that's why um, most people, when they start a plan or, or start a, a training period, your resting heart rate goes down, and that's a good sign of um, your heart becoming more efficient. Um, the other thing you're doing in this in this base phase is you are developing your aerobic uh, metabolism, um, it, it, the place where you utilize fat uh, as your primary source of fuel or, or uh, it's, it's where you teach your body to, to sort of favor fat as a, as a burning uh, mechanism so that you can run using that. Because we all have an unlimited supply of fat, whereas uh, things, other sources of fuel are pretty limited. So when you run in this endurance-based phase, uh, you're teaching your body um, to become efficient at that. Um, the types of runs that you might do in this phase are, of course, your easy runs, your long runs. I always favor the fartlek kind of because it encompasses a little bit of speed, a little bit of um, it kind of shakes it up a bit. And um, towards the end of this phase, you start looking at some things like um, early tempo runs and some hill repeats. So any questions about that base yeah. phase? You know, I... I'm using our 16-week advanced marathon plan training for Boston, and so is Alyssa. And, you know, we're still in, in that endurance phase. And today, 
I think I had an 80 minute run and it's really tempting though, if you're not disciplined, you know, try to get out of that, you know, interject speed or do things like that. But, um, knowing the purpose behind, you know, why am I getting out here and doing this long run? It just kind of helps understand the approach that you have in these training plans. So, um, I guess it doesn't make it any easier, but just knowing that there's kind of a you know, a method to the madness. I, I still don't know what mitochondria means, but I know, <laughs> I, I think you did a great job describing that. And I think, again, it just reinforces the fact that when you're out there on your long runs, um, you know, keep it easy, keep it in that endurance zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you bring that up. There's a lot of, I don't know, there, there's a lot of kind of plans out there. And there's really... I don't know. You, you might be able to say there's a wrong way to do it and a right way to do it. My The way I design them are probably the more traditional method. There's a lot of um, people that advertise, you know, run three days a week and, and almost no slow runs are all fast. A lot of that stuff can work. One, it depends on the athlete. Two, it, it may work the first time and, and you also might put yourself at risk for, for more injuries as well. So these plans, the, the way I think about training, a pl- um, doing a training plan is probably more traditional, um, because it's, it's more of a proven thing. Um, I, I really try to avoid anything that will give people an injury or give them burnout. Um, and, and again, it's, it's all specific to your, your individuality. So, um, th- the idea here is that you can start slow, build up the, the things that will, um, keep you the safest and then good segue, you start going into what I've kind of called the preparation zone. And I've heard that term before. I think others use that. Um, and that's where you start doing a little bit more to prepare yourself for sort of the results. So you've built your base. <clears throat> Towards the end of the base period, you're, you're doing a little bit more. It's not like don't think of a, a base phase and a preparation phase and what I've called the last one, which is the peak phase. Don't think of those as, as firm lines. Like today, I stop my base phase. Tomorrow, I start my prep phase. These are kind of dotted lines in that you you kind of gradually go from one to the other. But the focus in preparation is really to start building um, a little bit more race specific needs. You you build your strength. Um, things like hill repeats. Hill repeats are great for um, building your muscles, building your um, strengthening your, your tissues. Um, and then hopefully if you've done a good job in the base period, um, you've, you've taught your body to start taking on more volume, um, giving your muscles a little bit more strength, your ligaments and your tendons and soft tissues, uh, or connective tissues, um, a little bit more, uh, strength. So you're, you're less apt to be injured. And then you're starting to, to build your stab, your stamina, um, things like tempo runs, tempo repeats, um, things like that. You also start improving from a nutritional perspective or uh, how you, what kind of energy use you use. Um, it, I, I don't want to get too much into it, but you, your body needs to be able to utilize energy. And one of the places it gets it is from glycogen, especially for uh, more of the, um, like a tempo run. It uses glycogen because that's uh, the level of oxygen 
that you have when you run a tempo run. So you improve the ability to, so as you go through a tempo run, for example, you use up a lot of your glycogen stores and the more you use, as long as you replace them in the right period of time after your run, um, the, the better you become at, at storing that glycogen. So you're in this phase, preparation phase, you're building some strength, you're um, building a little bit of um, stamina and a little bit of speed, you're teaching your body to uh, store the right level of energy for use later so you can uh, have more later, and um, getting your, your tissues to the point where they're less apt to be injured later. So I like the way you described um, kind of these phases as you transition. It's not like you draw a line and say, you know, I'm moving from kind of this endurance phase into the preparation phase. Because when you were talking about that, um, you know, you move through these phases and you start introducing, you know, tempo runs and, and more speed into this preparation phase. But the long run, per se, doesn't go away. You still have a lot of your effort um, would be targeted towards these different phases. So you would still have, as you transition through any training cycle, kind of go through these different phases. And it's not like, you know, you stop doing the, the endurance piece. You just start introducing more things um, that would complement and kind of continue to fine-tune you as an athlete. Is, is that a fair interpretation? Yeah, it is. And, you know, every... Every system within the when you, when you train, you're you're training certain aspects, and each one of them has. You know, one of the principles of training is reversibility: how fast you lose a certain um, uh, your progress of certain something, and they don't have the same reversibility. So you you put in the the right kinds of workouts at the right times, so that when you do come to the race day all that combination of things, um, you know, as you've gained adaption, you, you haven't, um, backed up too much so that you're right at the, the right spot when you go to, to race. So I, th I think I answered your question. Did I? Yeah, that's perfect. And I just jotted down a note for maybe a p potential run fit Instagram graphic, right workouts at right time. Coach Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So that's perfect. Well, that, that's very true, though. I mean, if if you do a workout at the wrong time, then if you if it's at the wrong time and then you come to race day, you may not get the benefits of that workout. Gotcha. So that's yeah. that's the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and so the last, what I call my last phase, is the peaking phase, and this is really um, a period of time where you're really sort of getting in there, getting in the details, and and trying to get it uh, ready for for race day. Um, the big focus here is improving your economy, um, your race-specific needs. So uh, if you're doing a particular, uh, particularly hilly race, um, you know, making sure that you're prepared for that. Um, you're doing things at race pace. You're doing things at VO2 max. You're, um, at the very end, you're, you're doing a taper. Um, so all these things that will really hone in um, – getting ready for that one big day. So again, if you're one of those people that, that races throughout the season, you have to balance that a bit because, and, and again, if, if you are one of those people, you, you want to peak at your a race, the, the one that's the most important to you. So for example, Travis, 
Boston for you. But if you were training for Boston and you happen to want to do another marathon or half marathon in between as as a B race or a practice race, you just need to build that in it the right way so that um, it's, it's balanced within your plan. So a big focus in, in the peak phase is race conditions um, and, and building that, that speed that you'll need uh, to hit your goal. Any questions about that one? No. So, so just quickly go over the three phases again that you, that you proposed, Dan. Sure. Yeah. Um, so the base phase, focusing on endurance. The preparation phase, where you're starting to build a little bit more of the meat and the peak phase where you're really refining for the, the big race day. Yeah. And I'm just thinking about, um, you know, the 16 week plan that I'm following and this is probably a silly question, but based on, you know, your amount of time that you have in any given training cycle, these plans will, you know, they're scalable and adjustable, correct? So, um, you know, my 16 week plan that I downloaded from the site, has each one of those phases, but they're a little bit more condensed because I was coming into that program with some sort of at least base under my belt. But a lot of the plans you've designed, you know, take the take a 28-week advanced marathon plan, will still have those three phases, but they may be extended, say, compared to a 20-week plan. That's absolutely right, and actually, I'm um, glad you brought that up because it's, it's hard to explain. Um, the, the shorter plans, like even for half marathon, there's some 12-week plans. It's, it's pretty obvious when you look at the titles, basic, intermediate, and advanced. You know what you're going to get, or even beginner. Um, you, you, can, you know what to expect. You know what kind of um, level of um, effort it'll be um, and experience that you'll need. But the other piece of it is um, the 28-week the plan versus a 12-week plan or a 16-week plan. You do have more time in these in these phases more time to get certain things in the longer plans give you a little bit more time to build up to things to give you a little bit more uh time to to you know get those those workouts in so i I think to your point um if you were if you had 20 weeks to boston you would maybe get a little bit more of certain workouts in than you would if you took the 16-week plan or the 12-week plan yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I read somewhere that it's like less than a hundred days to Boston. You can't do anything about moving the the race day <laughs> back a little bit or anything like that, right? No yeah. way. Yeah, wishful thinking, right? So, yeah. so from a base perspective, I'm just kind of recapping in my mind. You know, those are those are long, um, kind of long runs, and then as you move into the um, second phase, that's where you start introducing some more of the tempo type stuff. And then when you get to the peak phase, that's where you're doing some, you know, faster turnover and then kind of leading into a taper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Very good. Yeah. Very good. So thanks a lot, Dan, for that. Um, I, I like those um, three simple phases because I know there's tons of different literature out there on different um, kind of periodization cycles, but those seem, you know, simple and easy to follow. And I know that that you've designed the plans based on those three concepts. So thanks for walking through those today. Absolutely. Okay, so let, let's transition now and go into this uh, random runner's world. Again, this is from January of 2012, um, and it's 
I'm gonna have to check. Maybe the <laughs> this title looks ex exactly like the one I got from 2015. It says "New Year, New You." So we're gonna see if we can find an article here. And I was gonna say when you said the title of that, it sounded really familiar. Oh my gosh! I'm telling. The other one is right here. I'll take a photo of this and somehow get it on the site because um, it does. It says New Year, New You, um, and this is the one from January, February 2015. I mean, if you've got a title that works, though, you know, you don't need to change it up. You know, sure. it's going into the new year. So, all right, this is, um, I'm on page 36 of the January 2012 magazine here, and it's from the Fast Lane, Taking Advice for Peak uh, Performance. Um, the article title is Dead Aim. Define and focus on a goal precisely or risk missing it. So, again, you know, our approach to this, we don't read, <laughs> don't read or plan any of these things. So my assumption here, just by looking at some of these headlines, Dan, is they're talking about, um, you know, how to set a goal for, you know, the new year. And I know we've talked about some of this stuff in a previous podcast but let me just read through some of these. Set a goal, um, define the commitment, schedule tune-ups, determine weekly mileage, and assign key workouts. So maybe this article goes into a little bit more details about you know, how do you achieve that goal. Oh, here's something good. It's a little infographic. Um, run a key workout three weeks before a race to gauge fitness. And, and here they are. So if you're running a 5K and you want to PR in a 5K, the key workout they propose is 10 times 400 at mile race pace with 90 seconds recovery. Um, if you're doing a 10K, do 20 times 400 at race pace with 30 seconds recovery. 20 times a quarter if you haven't done it. You have to do it at least once in your life. That's <laughs> It's brutal. Um, half marathon. It says eight mile steady run followed by um, three by mile at 10K pace with four minutes recovery. That's pretty good too. Marathon two times six miles at 10 seconds per mile faster than race pace with a 10 minute recovery jog. So that, that is just what they proposed. You know, if you're shooting for a PR, run those workouts before um, three weeks before your race. So back to your you know, phase approach, that would be definitely within your uh, peak phase. Mm -hmm. Now, interesting. Do, do they say anything about um, a baseline measurement for any of those things to no. see, like doing those workouts towards the beginning of your training versus um, what it would be your result at the peak stage? No, I know where you're going. This is just a simple kind of two column, and I'm looking through the article to see if they talk it, about a baseline, but Go on, Dan, about kind of your thought there, just kind of using that as almost like a pre and post to see your progress and see how, you know, the training cycle essentially has treated you, correct? Yeah, it's sort of a, a testing workout. Um, you know, when, when I did USA triathlon training, we talked a lot about that kind of thing. Pros do it all the time. It's sort of gauging. Um, and I guess if you're in the peak stage, you're, it's, it may be a little bit too late to, to do a whole lot of change, but, um, in, in pros, uh, training, they do a lot of testing so they can change things along the way. And so how that works is towards the beginning of the season, they'll do a workout 
um, towards, you know, but basically about once a month they do a test sort of workout just to gauge, you know, what, what aspects of their training needs to have different focus versus what they're doing. But, um, I, I guess if nothing else, if you're going to do something in the, towards the end of your training cycle near the race, it, it'll either boost your confidence if you do it really well, or maybe make you nervous if you don't do it so well. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, you know, in the past, what I've done, and Alyssa does this too, is we'll find a couple um, step-down races is what we call them. It's, you know, you, if you're running a marathon, you're obviously not going to run a marathon just to see how you're progressing. But we'll um, try to find a half marathon or even a 10K. Um, this is weeks in advance of the race just to see a couple things. One, can we maintain our race pace for a half marathon um, and just kind of gauge how we feel at that. And the idea behind that is we want to finish the, the half marathon feeling like we could go more if we had to at our current kind of marathon training pace. Um, so we've used races in a similar way as they propose to do these key workouts. Um, and there's just there's always something about getting yourself in a race environment too that I like. Um, it helps you test your kind of pre-race uh, routines. It helps you go through a cycle of, you know, how am I going to get to the finish line and all that race day preparation that I know we've talked about a little bit in previous podcasts. But those are things that you don't always get to practice, you know, on your weekend long run. So anytime you could get yourself in a simulated race day environment, I think it's still beneficial. But those are different ways that we've used to see you know, are we on track to hit our target for whatever, you know, we've set for the race? Mm-hmm. Um, um, but there's not much here. This is a, um, this is a one pager, Dan. So I don't think I did it. <laughs> did this any favor. Okay. All right. Look on this next page, we haven't done this before, but, um, I'm going to ask you another question because on the next page here, um, on 38, it's a Q and a with ask the, uh, ask, what is it? Ask the experts here. So it's just, um, it's a few questions. It seems like they submit to the editors and I'll let, I'll let you have a choice here because this first one's pretty good. <laughs> How might taking a martial arts or dance class help my running? That's one. Is it okay to run more than two minutes per mile, mile slower than my race pace on easy runs? That's two. And the third one, should I, Breathe differently when it's really cold outside. And that's like perfect question right now here in the Midwest where um, the temperatures this week has been below zero. So mm -hmm. um, do you want to take on A, martial arts, B, um, running two minutes slower than an easy run on my easy runs or breathing differently, uh, you know, outside when it's cold? Um, so I'll take a stab at A and B. C, I'm not really sure except for i've got sort of a thought from my personal experience but um a i think uh, martial arts provides a variation or any kind of you know especially during the off season doing any kind of workout and, and sometimes it's better not to do your key sports so if you're a runner you know doing something like martial arts um you're going to develop different muscles that may support your running you will get some flexibility um, actually probably a lot of flexibility. They do a lot of flexibility kind of things within martial arts. Um, I don't know. It's just something different. 
And sometimes doing something different is good because if you do the same thing over and over and over, you only develop those muscles and supporting muscles. So you know, um, at least that was the response that, you know, the answer was, um, you know, anything like they say, uh, martial arts, dance, salsa, Zumba, um, these are all good for strengthening the core and working on stability muscles. So, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. very nice. If I were grading you, that's an A plus. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I never got an A plus in school. Um, <laughs> The uh, the second one definitely the two mile, I I think actually if you're not going close to around two minutes I, I have to have my chart in front of me but uh, your slow run should be significantly slower than your race pace um, most of the time and it's really hard for most people to do that because it's you know if you're you're racing um, that's a it's a fast sort of pace whereas if you're running a slow run. Uh, it feels like you're not doing what you're supposed to, but just think back to when we first started this discussion today, your endurance, you, in order to, to build your endurance and, and build those, um, uh, ver- those adaptions, your physiological adaptions to your cells, to your heart, um, you can't get that without doing those types of activities. You can't do that without getting that purely aerobic workout. And um, to do that, you have to go slow. So I can't say for sure that two minutes per mile is exactly the, the number, but it sure seems that's probably about right to me. Yeah, the response was yes. Um, and essentially, um, whoever was responding to the question here said, um, you should really be, you know, run your long runs based on how you feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and depending on you know what you had as far as workload that week, um, if you were doing some pretty intense workouts, that um, obviously your easy long runs are going to feel um, different. But you know the safe bet is just to go on feel here. I you know I think running by feel is probably is very important. Um, even if you don't want a training plan, um, I, I put together a while back, and as part of the plans, sort of a. Uh, a scale or I guess a, a guide for running on how you feel. And I think that's important with just about any workout really, because even if you're in, if you're going at the right pace, quote unquote, the right pace, um, or at running at the quote unquote right heart rate, there's so many variables with heat, with humidity, with, um, all kinds of conditions that if you're ignoring the way your body feels, you very well are probably not in the right zone. So, not just aerobic, you know, they say conversational pace. Um, and that's, that's a really pretty good guide, but I would, if not the, the one I created in the plans, look up and try to learn how to pay attention to your body versus trying to pay attention to your watch or, um, or other sort of aspects. So I totally agree with that. Nice. You really find your stride in these random runners world, Dan. (laughs) It's, It's good. But on that last question, if people are curious, should I breathe differently when it's really cold outside? Um, they respond by saying no. Um, they, they say that, you know, when the air is below 20 degrees Fahrenheit, that, you know, your, your body's natural tendency is to take smaller, shallower breaths. But um, they say that over a period of two to, uh, of a week or two, that you'll, you know, your body will start to adapt to the colder weather. Um, they propose just putting like a scarf or 
you know, if you go to a local running shop, you can find the, the face mask that, um, you know, covers your mouth and nose and leaves, you know, your eyes open. And that's a nice piece of gear to have if you don't have that and you're running outside and it's below 20. But, um, again, they say not to change your breathing if it's, you know, that cold outside. Yeah, I think uh, this is just my experience, not anything based on science. But I know that if I am not running a lot in the wintertime and then I start running, uh, it's really awkward to breathe in the cold, especially the really cold kind of actually hurts sometimes. But after a period of time, and maybe it's a week, I don't know, um, it, it feels easier. It feels natural. And so I think your body naturally compensates for that. Um, I've heard that if you, like, I think you just mentioned, if it's really cold outside, um, putting a barrier like a scarf or something breathable, um, can help. But I, I've run, I don't know, in the around zero mark with a pretty stiff wind. And if, if I've been training in the cold already, it's even, that's pretty doable. So it, again, it boils down to how you feel and, and how to pay attention to that. Perfect. Well, Dan, thanks again um, for a great episode. This was episode 14, believe it or not. That's um, crazy. Yeah, isn't that bizarre? Um, anything that you'd like to say or add before we close here? Um, I think the only thing, well, two things. Before I forget, I've forgotten twice now. Um, I think if you've been on our site, you can see we've partnered with a, a company called Spunoutly. I spoke a little bit about that around the first of the year, and um, they uh, specialize in getting training plans on a calendar, on your personal calendar. It's really cool, really slick tool, and we've, we've got all of our plans built on that platform. And I was supposed to mention this um, the first of the year, and I was supposed to, again, mention it last week, and I forgot both times. So um, we have worked with them to get a 25% off discount on our, on our plans on their platform. Uh, you can use the code if you're interested in doing that of just RUNFIT365 all put in put together, so R-U-N-F-I-T 365. If you have any trouble, just uh, email them. You can email me as well and I can contact them, but um, you can get our plans on their platform 25% off. I think it's through the end of January. Yeah. Um, so take a look at that. And let's see, I had one other thing I was going to say. And, and they've been such great partners and so fun to work with. And um, their idea is so brilliant because, you know, in this day and age of kind of modern technology, we're all attached to our phones and just um, their kind of uh, technology allows you to build the plan right into your existing calendar. So it's really cool. You should check them out if, if you haven't yet. Absolutely. Uh, the other thing I was going to say is, um, you know, Travis and I talk every week before we do one of these and we kind of come up with uh, what we think you, you might want to hear. But uh, if you have ideas about things you want to hear, please let us know because that really helps us sort of uh, narrow in on topics that people want to hear about. Maybe we're already doing that, but um, we'd love to hear back from you regardless. So just send us a, a message or something. Yeah, thanks for that, Dan. And um, just like Nick did too, you know, part of the, the year of 2015 is just celebrating uh, people's victories and we want to see 1 million PRs. So please continue to follow us on Facebook. Um, you can find us at runfit365.com. Um, get in contact us with, a, you know, on Twitter. Uh, we've got an Instagram account. 
and just tell us your story. We want to celebrate with you and uh, share that with other people that you know may be looking for inspiration or motivation to get out there and uh, maybe run their first 5K or set a marathon PR this year in 2015. So um, share your stories as you knock those PRs out. And again, congratulations, Nick. This is day day 11 of 2015, and you're already out there, you know, hammering away. So that's awesome. Um, Dan, anything else? Nope, you've exhausted my resources. Yeah, awesome. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, and happy training. <laughs>